on there and I get a text. Oh, Pete's cops were just caught on hot tape playing out a, a scene from Django where the KKK mm. goes to lynch Jamie Foxx. I thought it was a joke at first. But then uh, I went through the tape. Uh, if, you, if you missed it, let's take a look. This was Pete Buttigieg's uh, cops, the South Bend Police Department, which we already know uh, shot a man uh, in July. Three officers were there, turned off their body cameras or never put them on in the first place. We also know uh, there's been real uh, controversy with uh, real controversy. We're live. Real controversy with um, the police tapes where uh, there was apparently somebody uh, on those police tapes making racial comments. Pete Buttigieg's uh, administration has paid almost $3 million in legal fees to stop those takes from coming out. So then you have Pete Buttigieg's cops. The culture starts at the top, right? The cops report to the mayor. They went in to arrest a black man and the black man live streamed his arrest smartly. The cops thought, oh, well, let me just turn the phone around so nobody will hear. Uh, It'll end the live stream. And then they turned the phone around. It went black, but these brilliant, these these brainiacs didn't realize while well, the audio is still on. Here's them at the end of arresting this black man. This is police department officials in South Bend who report to Pete Buttigieg. Judge. Let's take a listen. You know it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Glad you enjoyed it. For, your, you. for your kit oh. is a skull mask in case you have to shoot a guy. It's good to have a kit with a skull on. <laughs> Dude, this is how you rob banks, right? I'm pretty much the Punisher. Why? I don't look like. Are you guys uh, okay with people? So I don't know if you, I don't know if you all could hear that well because the audio wasn't great on the video. So let me explain it to you. I don't, I'm not going to play the clip from Django Unchained because I'm afraid we'll get a copyright violation. But basically, you know, Django Unchained was a movie. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Quentin Tarantino is known for just shootouts and bloodbath and gory, gory movies. And the movie was about Django, played by Jamie Foxx, who's a freed slave. Um, and there's a scene where Klansmen are marching down to lynch Django, Jamie Foxx's character, and they're wearing hoods, but the hoods don't fit. They don't fit over their heads. So they're basically arguing amongst themselves. Oh, some one of the one of the KKK members' wives made hoods that don't fit. Uh it's a movie. But, you know, it's they're clansmen. There's nothing good about it. Um so these officers, while arresting a black man, by the way, earlier in that video, the sergeant uh, in the South Bend Police Department, after all of this national attention about the body cameras not being on, says, turn your, turn, turn your camera off. Literally said on the tape, turn your camera off. And then they just giggle, giggle amongst themselves to play out like, I, I don't know what their intent was for uh, joking about it. KKK men from, from Django. Uh, but they're just basically quoting it like movie lines from the KKK scene. I don't know. 
I would find that offensive if I'm black. Absolutely. I find that offensive and I'm white. And, you know, we broke the story. I got in touch with the mother of the young man that was arrested. She was very upset, almost crying to me on the phone. And she said, um, they definitely have a history of it, um, the mother told me. And then she said, the comments weren't fair or funny. We're supposed to be able to trust them and they're here to serve and protect. And that's not what's going on. On whether Mayor Boot Mayor Buttigieg will take action, she, I could tell she wanted to say something, mm. but she kept it kind of, she kept it kind of uh, sanitized. I'm just going to be hopeful on his behalf on that for sure because it's a lot of, I don't know, I don't know. She just didn't know what to say. She was just, you know, her her boy her baby just got arrested. That she heard them joking around like they were Klansmen on the tape. This is happening. In South Bend, Indiana, why do officers think it's okay to reenact KKK men, to reenact Klansmen? And here's a story in the Super Chat, if you missed it. We broke it. So this is why you send us. This is why we're asking you to sign up as a member. Statuscoo.com says join. Usually when we're in the field, we find stuff out. We break stuff. A, a, a Black Lives Matter member told me the re- only reason... The only reason the South Bend Tribune even picked up this story was because we broke it. They weren't going to touch it. We broke it. And then because we were able to get it around on Twitter, frankly, it probably would have gotten around way more. But unfortunately, we broke it the same hour Trump was impeached. (laughs) Not only that, but right after Jordan tweeted and, you know, we started promoting this article, our website where the article was all, you know, where we had posted it, was attacked and taken down. So uh, Say that again? Our website was taken down? It was. You have no idea the, the, what we're dealing with on the road. You <laughs> have no idea. Not only uh, do we have people coming after us for a story we're soon breaking, Yeah. we have our website suddenly being attacked. We've had our... Listen, our website ain't pretty. We're not going to lie. We don't have... <laughs> it's a work We're hoping progress. to get funding so we could create a real good website, but it's never come down. Right. This was the only time it's ever come down. Ironically, after we post a story uh, where Pete Buttigieg's police officers are reenacting Klansmen, mm. and all of a sudden, right after we tweet it and it starts getting around, our website goes down. That's interesting timing. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> by the way, oh, by the way, I don't know. I think if you know basketball, it's kind of a layup. You know, if I was running for president and a reporter reached out to me and said, do you have a comment about uh, officers in your police department reenacting Klansmen while arresting a black man? I think I'd probably tell my people to respond, oh, we denounced that. We're going to investigate it. (laughs) We're going to investigate it right away. Um, Obviously, we don't want officers like that on the police force. No, no, no. That's not exactly what happened. Do you know what happened? All of a sudden... I get a message from an activist, and this is part of the job as a reporter in the field. You get a lot of misinformation. At Standing Rock, 90% of my day was running down leads that were misinformation. Most of the time, it wasn't people deliberately misleading you, but everybody's got a tip. Everybody's got a theory, Mm -hmm. and you can't just go with it because a lot of it's just wrong. You would think Pete Buttigieg would just denounce it. No, 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 no. At first, his police commissioner, who, by the way, is presiding over a scandal of a shooting of Eric Logan, whose brother I interviewed. I'll show you that. Um, Literally, 
says, oh, that wasn't South Bend Police Department. Right. That wasn't us. Like, maybe they just thought like, maybe they just thought status quo was like the local media and would just report whatever they say. Mm -hmm. It took me five minutes to get the police report. Guess what? The arresting officer was South Bend Police. The arresting agency was South Bend Police. I spoke with three people who was at the scene. They said, I only saw South Bend Police cars. So the officer is just lying. Right. Secondly, Pete Buttigieg's campaign. I know he's a little busy at his wine cave, but <laughs> I, I, reached, I reached out to his campaign. You help me. We reached out to his campaign. We reached out to his city officials. Yeah. So reach out to the presidential campaign, reach out to the mayor's office, yeah. reach out to South Bend Police. And not just one person at each, like everybody we could Multiple. Because to be fair... I, you know, the screen was black, so I don't know who made the comments. I know it was a police. I know it was multiple police officers, but I don't know who made those comments, you know. So and you want to give the mayor a chance to denounce it. We're told it wasn't South Bend police. He doesn't respond. How is it that this man is running for president but will not respond or denounce his police? Literally reenacting Klansmen while arresting arresting a 21-year-old black man. Honestly, you would think that would be an easy win for him. Oh, this is a very simple thing that I should clearly denounce. Yes, when we find out who it was, they will be fired. Yeah. Yep. Even if you don't mean it. Right, just <laughs> say something. I said before the debate, I don't know if you've noticed this, but literally, Bernie's like odds and evens. Some debate, one debate, he's fire. Yeah. And breathes like a dragon. And the next debate, he holds his punches. Yeah. And, you know, decides to go to a knife fight holding a spoon. Yeah. So the last debate, not the one from this week, but the one before, it was again, shy Bernie. Mm-hmm. Diplomatic Bernie. Yep. My friend, Joe Bernie. Bernie. But this debate, oh, Bernie, he took his medicine. <laughs> he took his, he took what, his, what kind of medicine? Uh, I don't know. He took his medicine. This to me, and I'm not saying this as a Bernie bro. Um, I'm saying this just as somebody who appreciates good politicking. Bernie Sanders, this might go down as one of the best debate lines. Definitely this this campaign. Let's take a look. Senator, I am Senator, Senator Sanders. I am... Rather proud, maybe, I don't know, the only candidate up here doesn't have any billionaire contributions. But you know what I do have? We have received more contributions from more individuals than any candidate in the history of the United States of America at this point in an election, averaging $18 apiece. Now, there's a real competition going on up here. My good friend Joe, and he is a good friend, He's received contributions from 44 billionaires. Pete, on the other hand, is trailing, Pete. You only got 39 billionaires contributing. So, Pete, we look forward to you. I know you're an energetic guy and a competitive guy to see if you can take on Joe on that issue. But what is not, what is not a laughing matter, my friends, this is why three people own more wealth than the bottom half. This is why Amazon and other major corporations pay zero in federal taxes. We need to get money out of politics. We should run our campaigns on that basis. Thank you, Senator Sanders, Vice President.
say, but I'll I'll let you uh, oh my I'll let you start with that. What was your thoughts on Bernie Sanders bringing bringing the heat? So okay, <laughs> I have so many favorite parts from that. But my absolute, and I wish we'd pulled up a picture of this beforehand, but my absolute favorite part is when Bernie turns to Pete and says, you're an energetic guy. <laughs> Maybe you can, what do you say, take him on on this issue. And Pete's face, he literally looks like a little rat. Like he goes like, <laughs> like puts his teeth over his lips and, and just looks like a lost little boy who's been scolded. And it's just, I mean... Bernie's totally right. He presented it perfectly. He had the contrast there of, I have zero billionaire donors. Here's how many Joe has. Here's how many Pete has. And just the framing of it, the delivery of it was fantastic. And he's absolutely correct. What I love the most about it, and I tweeted about it, Mm -hmm. this is something that in Washington, D.C. culture, it's like saying the N-word. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> like, like, you know how, you know, has, how as like white people, if another white person said the N word, like it, we would, uh, especially around a black person, Say, our face yeah. would go like, like, whole yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what like calling out billionaires yeah. in Washington, DC at like in Georgetown mm-hmm. or at these cocktail parties or at think tanks, like you don't. You do not you don't dare. sin. You do not use the billionaire's name in vain. You know, uh, I don't mean to compare like greedy billionaires to to slavery or anything, but you get my point. Like it's not done, no. and that's why Joe Biden's face. Did you see Joe Biden's face when he said that? He said his face was like this. I know it, it, their it, reactions. They were like it was like that was that face that Joe Biden made. Like first, I was like, is he like mad? Because like. No, Bernie, it's 46, you know, like, (laughs) it's like, get it right. You know, like, how dare you understate how many billionaires are donating (laughs) to me. But it's like, it's so unheard of for somebody to literally just, that's, that is a punch in the face. Bernie punched him in the face Mm -hmm. by saying that it's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's, it's basically saying you are corrupt. Mm -hmm. Bernie was basically saying you are corrupt. You can't recover from that. Right. And that's why he made his face, because he's basically making a face like I think he was making a face to be like, what are you talking about? I don't have that. But like, all you got to do is. Yeah, he does. He does have that many billionaires. So I loved I loved um, Biden's face. Mm -hmm. But then Bernie so brilliantly, not only did he pivot to Pete and say, but Pete, you're close, (laughs) you're close. But then. It was very subtle. Then he basically mocked him for being young. Yeah. He mocked him for basically being a young, privileged, soulless interloper. Mm-hmm. Basically somebody who just has pure ambition and nothing to show for it. He said, oh, you know, you're a young, energetic guy. You know, <laughs> you're a young. It's like your grandpa. Like, oh, you're a young, yeah. <laughs> you're a young, uh, energetic whippersnapper. I'm, I'm very... Um, and Pete's face, oh my God, it he was, was like, hilarious. no, Pete was like, he was so. Oh, you're right, I'm corrupt. What oh do I do? The only thing, and I know Bernie didn't. I know Bernie wasn't gonna do it, but I would have loved to have him turn to, you know, Elizabeth. We're okay, you know, you got two. That's fine. Right. Yeah, yeah like he could have mentioned, oh, Elizabeth, you know, you got two, but obviously that would have been 
I think too mean. Maybe I just want to go. For, <laughs> maybe I just want to go for the jugular. Well, Pete was a total D-I-C-K to Warren. I wouldn't like. I was really upset. Why? What? He was awful to her. In what, what context? I can't even remember now. Don't be a Warren apologist. No, it was bad. Like it what, was... the wine cave stuff? Yeah, I think I was there when they were going back and forth and, and she was bringing up the wine cave stuff and he was like, well, you, you know, you just changed today. Like, you are, I don't know. It, but he said things in a way that was just like... I think you're completely wrong about that. And it, it pains me. I wish me. I had the clip because it uh, was... It, 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 it pains me to say this because Pete is worse than Elizabeth Warren. I know a lot of By you don't far. like Warren, but Pete's worse. Pete's but he did have a point. Satan. But he had a point. <laughs> no, he had a point. At least Pete is and Biden are just, there's no shame. They just do it. They don't pretend. Whatever. They, they, they kiss the ring of the rich billionaire in the wine case. Warren wants to have it both ways. She was doing these private fundraisers in Martha's Vineyard and other places like five minutes before she ran for president. She transferred the money to her presidential campaign and then said, I don't want billionaire money. I'm not doing it. Well, you just did it and you took 10 million of it to start your campaign. So I think that in a way it, it kind of muddy. He Buddha judge, although I don't like it, did muddy the waters because he did have a point. He had a point in going after Warren for it. And Warren didn't really have a good answer. And we're going to get into that in, in a minute uh, because yeah, there's more information that's come out since about the wealthy private fundraisers Warren was having. It doesn't excuse Jen. Uh, it doesn't excuse um, Buttigieg like going to private wine caves in Napa Valley. No, but... of course not. So I want to clarify. I'm not defending the fact that Warren. I mean, he did have a good point. He said Warren just changed recently and then she transferred the money that she'd gotten from you know I, I assume corporations I think so and and others and whatever and she'd just taken this new money pledge for the presidential campaign so she did transfer that money and so that was a valid point that Pete made but his delivery the way he did it he was just being a I don't know he he went too far and the way that he delivered that in particular I took offense to, and I'm not a Warren apologist. You know that. I just, I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe my hatred for Pete is overshadowing the fact that I don't like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Listen, the truth, the tr and, and, and I tweeted exactly what I mean. Like, I love Tulsi in a lot of areas, but I don't like, like, you're a congressperson. You're also running for president, so you have to make tough decisions. I also, frankly, when she's tweeting things like, um, when you're tweeting things like I'm voting present because I'm looking for the center and to bridge people together. I love you, Tulsi, and I think she's genuine. But like every single presidential candidate I've ever seen has a talking point about we need to bring the country together. We need to bridge the divide, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't mean anything. Do you know what? Well, this country's divided and it's always been divided. But do you know what actually unites people? Do you know what actually brings people together? Closing the income gap giving people health care, helping people get jobs, helping more uh, minority, uh, minority, black, brown, indigenous, find good paying jobs, find better housing. This helps t suck out a lot of the anger and economic hopelessness. So this talk about bringing the country together, blah, 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 I actually think she's more genuine and actually means it. See, I totally disagree. No, I do. I've interviewed her. I, I, I think I can tell that she's sincere in that regard. I just think like 
that you're a congressperson. It's a vote on impeachment. You either you could vote no and say, although I think Donald Trump um, did inappropriate things for a lot of reasons, I don't think it comes to a level to impeach him. And people could agree to agree or disagree. Or you could vote yes and say, um, although I although I think uh, there's a lot. Of, I, I think we need to bring the country together. He's done what he specifically did was uh, an impeachable offense. But you got to shit or get off the pot like this whole like I'm taking a moral stand by being present. It's not a moral stand. I don't when you say you think she's being genuine. I think she is absolutely not being genuine. I think she saw it as a guaranteed moment to make headlines and she's running for president and she's raising money and there are, I mean, there are personal selfish reasons for voting that way. To be honest, it is selfish. The the, the point of, we can't get in her head. So like, I'm less interested in whether it's genuine or not. And more interested in like, I don't find that to be leadership. Like we could argue about the merits of should he be impeached or not. That's, that's a different discussion. But to me, like, if you want to be commander in chief, right? She keeps talking about being commander in chief and how that's a san- sacred process. You want to be president. Well, you're going to have to make hard decisions every hour. So this whole like I'm voting president because this is a spectacle. Yeah, it is a spectacle. The Democrats, I don't think they've handled it particularly well. I think Adam Schiff is terrible. Mm. But that's a totally different topic. It doesn't matter whether it's run well or it's a spectacle. The issue is you have to hold the president accountable. I personally, I don't think, you know, I know Jimmy's argument. I know other people's argument and it's more of a political argument, like impeaching him helps him and it's, it's bad politically to beat him. You I can't... like the comments agreeing with me the most. Okay, that's fine. But what I'm saying is you can't vote or not vote on impeachment based, based politically. Does it help him or not? Like that's not that's not a basis of, of whether you impeach someone. Right. You impeach someone because we're supposed to have a democracy. Yep. Do I think Trump is corrupt? Yeah, he, he's he been corrupt for 30 years. He's a, He has laundered money, all this. I think he could have been impeached for a whole lot of other things before this. But the point is, like, and I love Jimmy, but this argument, like, you know, by impeaching him, you're helping him, like, it's not helping him or hurting him. The people that are going to vote for Donald Trump are going to vote for him whether he's impeached or not. The people who are going to vote for vote against him are going to vote for him whether he's impeached or not. Those people are not going to decide the election. You know who's going to decide the election? The 5% less black people that came out in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. Are they going to come out this time? The 5% less, Lati- uh, less Latinos that came out in 2016 for Hillary Clinton as compared to Obama in 2012. Are they going to come out this time and oppose Trump? The 6% less age 18 to 29 that came out for Hillary as compared to Obama. Are they going to come out? That's who's going to decide whether Trump's impeached in the House or not impeached. Trump's voters are coming out for him anyway. The people who hate Trump are coming out against him anyway. So you can't make decisions about whether to impeach him based on uh, is it smart or bad politically. And by the way, even they're doing so many other stuff, dumb politically, the Democrats. So Mm -hmm. what's one other thing that's dumb to me, to me? And to be honest with you, I do love Jimmy and he's had us on and has supported us. So it's not a knock on him. And I know some other people are making this argument to me. I think 
I, I think something that's being lost here, you could have two thoughts at once. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I think Russiagate is bullshit. <laughs> and I have been consistent while I was at TYT, after, I think it's ridiculous. The, the Cold War is over. Do I think the Russians, like, created fake pages and put propaganda online in America? Yeah, they do. Of course they do. And by the way, we do too to other countries. Do mm-hmm. I do I think that's a good thing? No. Do I think it's Pearl Harbor? No, I don't. Do I think Russiagate was really a distraction so that MSNBC, the near attendants of the world, the Washington Post, didn't have to address the fact that, wow, there's a revolt against the oligarchy? <laughs> yes. But did I listen to the call of Trump with the uh, Ukrainian leaner? Yeah, I listened to it several times. I mean, objectively... He clearly was trying to bribe or extort the president of Ukraine. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know how you could objectively say he didn't. Like, some people are like, but the Ukrainian leader wasn't aware. This, that, and the other thing. Oh, he, well, he didn't say quid pro quo. Right. Nobody says, here's your bribe. That's not how it works. And by the way, a story just came out this morning in the New York Times that literally... Two hours after that phone call that Trump had with the Ukrainian leader, emails went off to the Pentagon to freeze and and not implement Ukrainian aid. So it was literally connected to that phone call two hours after. Right. The emails are there. It's not forged. So do I think that is the worst thing? No, I think they should have tried to uh, impeach Trump when he did a try to Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. I think they should have tried to impeach Trump when he was uh, separating children at the border and children were dying. That's what. That's when I would have started Absolutely. impeachment proceedings. Warren, Warren. I think it's interesting because Warren, she's been sliding in the polls because she has no spine. She was for Medicare for all. She said, I'm with Bernie. Then she started free falling all over the place. Uh, and as she moonwalked away from Medicare for all, her poll numbers went down. And then the media tried to make it seem like, no, she's going down because she was for Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Then how was she the front runner? She moved to front-runner status at one point, being for Medicare for All. Right. If Medicare for All is so toxic, why is Bernie moving up? So Warren uh, went after Pete during the debate. We talked about that, the mm-hmm. wine cave stuff. And Pete came back like, well, you can't, you know, these, these purity tests, you can't pass. I mean, Pete's obviously full of shit, so putting that aside. But he's right. She can't pass it. I mean, this came out soon after. Uh, This is from the Associated Press. Warren's souvenir wine bottle pops up in the big donor debate. Oh, boy. On on a Saturday evening in June 2018, with temperatures in the 70s and the Red Sox playing at Fenway Park, supporters of Senator Elizabeth Warren gathered at the City Winery, Boston, for a fundraiser. They were treated to songs by the Grammy-winning artist Melissa Etheridge and heard remarks from Warren, who was months away from announcing her campaign for the 2020 Democratic nomination for top donors, those who could, con- those who could contribute or raise 5400 per couple or 2700 a person. There was a VIP photo reception and premium seating. So much, so, <laughs> so much for not selling access. Uh, for them and others who gave at least a thousand, there was a gift, a souvenir wine mm. bottle. Ooh. Uh, and then they go into what Warren said: billionaires in wide caves should not pick the president of the United States. Um, as as a White House contender, Warren has made a conversation 
to spurn big dollar donor events like the one in Boston. It's an effort to burnish her appeal as a can't be bought candidate with deep uh, with deep grassroots support. But some see her transition from a prolific force on the donor circuit to a presidential hopeful who has tried to curb others from doing much of the same, less than noble. Quote, challenge Pete on everything from his age and experience to his record in South Bend. Yes, can somebody challenge him on his record of gentrification and (laughs) demolishing black and brown neighborhoods? Uh, Said Ruffus Gifford. I can't believe that's a name. Uh, former finance director for Obama's campaign. I think it's I, Rufus. Oh, I think <laughs> I think that's totally fair. But this this is just disingenuous. It implies a level of corruption and cronyism that is inaccurate and ultimately plays into the hands of Republicans. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Past Warren donors say she was engaged. She was an engaging presence at those events, asking questions of her wealthy patrons and listening intently mm-hmm. to what they had to say. She also made it personal. She bestowed awards on those who were successful at tapping their personal networks to raise money for her. Those who bundled large amounts under 50000 for her Senate campaign earned a silver pin, while those who brought in more were awarded a gold one engraved with her signature. A gold pin? <laughs> her campaign says it's a practice she discontinued. In 2012. That's not true. Oh, my God. As Warren considered a White House run, she held a series of small meetings at her home to court top Boston area donors who raised large sums for Hillary Clinton and to gouge their interest in supporting her potential bid. uh, Quote, when we made the decision to run the campaign this way, the players in the usual money for influence game dismissed it as naive, Warren's spokesperson uh, said. We're pleased to we're pleased that our 100 percent grassroots strategy has been so effective that they're now threatened enough to be attacking us for it. Even after the pledge not to hold private fundraisers, Warren has continued to attend the very kind of events for which she criticized others. She has headlined fundraisers for the DNC in settings that raise handsome sums. And she said she would continue to do so if she were the nominee so that Democrats would be not be in the financial disadvantage against Trump. Those kinds of events are at odds with her self-proclaimed image of a candidate who would rather be taken down to earth selfies with supporters who send her campaign five bucks, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Alex Ritchie, who donated more than 20000 to Warren, said she had co-hosted events and attended others. Quote, many of the events for her that I went to were on the Cape, Ooh. Where, where Barack Obama just bought a, I don't remember the amount, nice. but it was insane amount of money for his and Michelle's home in Martha's <laughs> Vineyard. <laughs> They would have wine and some kind of finger food. It's pretty standard. It wasn't any different from what other people do. She raised money the way every other candidate does. Warren also attended fundraisers on Manhattan's Upper East Side and in Greenwich Village and at a mansion in Santa Monica, California. The events brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars for Senate campaigns and other Democratic caucuses. So, I mean, you kind of get the point. I don't need to read the whole thing. But what I think is really interesting here Put aside the fundraiser she's done, which is problematic. Yeah. They keep pushing this thing that she's 100% grassroots. Right. And she's funded her campaign 100% grassroots. Oh, there's the article if you want it. (laughs) But she's not 100% grassroots. Basically, she did an accounting trick where she did the same fundraisers, maybe not in a wine cave, but Martha's Vineyard, D.C., mansions in California. And she took $10 million that she had raised and just transferred it to her presidential campaign. So technically, maybe it wasn't after she announced her presidency, 
but she used funds from that private wealthy fundraisers mm -hmm. to start her presidential campaign. So like her campaign is trying to have it both ways, but the truth is she did benefit from wealthy donors in her presidential campaign. Now, does it mean she's Lucifer? No. Does it disqualify her? I don't think so. But it's not genuine. Am I wrong? No, you're right. By the way, Pete is Lucifer. But uh, I think, you know, people try to compare the, the transfer thing uh, and say, well, Bernie transferred money too. The point is, Bernie never took corporate donations. He's never held a fancy wine cave, $900 bottle of wine fundraiser. In fairness, I, I want to be accurate. Bernie did at one point do fundraisers for the DNC as a senator. That's separate. That's no, no, but I'm saying like, the DNC. no, no, but I'm saying Bernie. And he's going to have to do that now because he signed the pledge. Right. But what I'm saying is Bernie in his existence has done a fundraiser or two where wealthy donors give money to the DNC. So it's not like yeah, Bernie. Totally different. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, he, it's not that he's never done a fundraiser. It just oh, didn't yeah. go to him. Right. Right. So, That's the difference. Yeah. It's just to be clear, like, it's it's it, Bernie has not done those things. Warren has. I, I admire that she took the pledge not to during the presidential run. She still transferred the funds. It's still corrupt money. There's still that influence. There's a reason that uh, Wall Street is not, in fact, scared of Warren, despite the PR campaign attempt to make it seem that way. Right. And to me, like, listen, let's be clear. So Pete Buttigieg going into a wine cave with 150 crystals as a chandelier and, oh, excuse me, they corrected it. It wasn't $900. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a $900 bottle of wine it was a 175 dollar yeah so bottle we should of wine. talk about that a little bit so they had at the washington wait a minute post, the washington right? post is coming to pete Buttigieg's defense the media <laughs> is coming to pete Buttigieg's defense defending the wine club it's not no they don't want to talk about black lives matter Wine caves matter. They had one of the attendees write this. Right. About Pete Buttigieg wine cave dinner. I was there. Ugh. And it's just this sprawling, ridiculous piece <laughs> by somebody uh, who was there. And, of course, the Washington Post is coming to defend Pete Buttigieg's honor in the wine cave. And Jane Lynch as well. Like all these wealthy people. And Clara Jeffrey of Mother Jones of all magazines was like, no, it, wine caves are totally normal. It's fine. And what by the way, and, and by the way, by the way. <laughs> Do you know who's coming out to endorse Pete Buttigieg? Costner, right? Kevin <laughs> Costner. I think that the problem with Warren is she decided somewhere along the line to put calculation before conviction. Yes. And when you put calculation before conviction, especially in this age of the outsider, Bernie Sanders even though it was bullshit Trump, people see that. And I think people are seeing that there's there's always seems to be a contradiction when it comes to Elizabeth Warren. There always seems to be a, um, yeah, uh, something that she's saying, she's trying to present herself as this anti-corruption warrior, but like, 
I just told she's you. She's just not. She's done all of these things. And there's been reports in the past that, oh, she wealthy donors said, yeah, she talks quite differently in private to us than she does on the stump. Well, isn't that kind of like Hillary's, I got yeah. a private and a, yes, versus a, a public, public position? Yes, a private position, of course. What I, what I think is really, really interesting, wait for it, was this piece. You haven't read this yet, Jen. Oh, boy, I'm excited. Politico did a, oh, Politico did a piece. Taking... I had, I sent this to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> that happens all the time where yeah. I, like, I said, I said. like, look what I found. No, I said to my girlfriend, like, did you see this? And she's like, oh, I sent it to you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so this is interesting because Politico did a piece on Warren and Hillary Clinton's basically like two, three year negotiation before Hillary went, ran. So Warren was basically making demands of Hillary's campaign like in 2014 and 2015. Because so obviously Warren knew Hillary was running and Hillary's people were trying to satisfy Warren to try and stop her from running. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton's people wanted Warren not to run. So part of the article was about Warren's decision not to endorse Bernie Sanders. So I thought this was interesting. As Sanders' campaign took off in early 2016, Warren felt pressure building from both Sanders and Clinton to endorse. Ideologically, she was much closer to the Vermont senator, but there was skepticism within Warren's orbit that he could actually pull it off and that endorsing him would diminish her ability to influence Clinton. Sanders, who is usually reluctant to ask for endorsements or get immersed in transactional politics, did make a personal hard sell in early 2016 as the primary raged on. At a private hangar at Dulles International Airport, Sanders took a cell phone and paced around privately while talking to Warren, remembers one aide. Some Sanders senior staffers were thrilled she had stayed neutral, while others felt victory would be in sight if Warren would throw her weight behind the senator. At the end of the long conversation, Warren still declined to endorse Sanders. From the other side, Podesta, John Podesta, repeatedly called and urged Warren to endorse Clinton to help bring the primary fight to an earlier end. Quote, I think her view was that if she was respectful and waited, that she'd be more useful in bringing Bernie supporters to Hillary. I always thought that was overthinking it. One former Clinton advisor characterized Warren's move as part of a larger strategy to avoid alienating the left while also maintaining her relationships with the Clinton team that she thought was likely to win. She stayed neutral, but she made sure she had influence with the nominee, so she and her advisors had a seat at the table in a real way. Just uh, stomach-turning. What are your thoughts before I rage? Well, I... Obviously, the, the I, in that article, found the part about Bernie most enlightening because... You have this picture painted, uh, you know, of the aide saying he's walking around this this uh, airplane hangar trying to get Warren's endorsement. And then you have obviously John Podesta on the other on the other team. And to me, if you're a true progressive, that's not even a choice. And sure, she had her her apparent reasons, um, which were listed there in the article of not wanting to alienate progressives and Bernie voters and having a better chance of bringing them over to Hillary if it came down to it. But in the end, she didn't believe it was so politically calculated. I mean, as politicians are um, to say, I don't know if Bernie has a chance, so I'm not going to endorse. But that's 
the that's part of uh, our political process. I mean, if you truly have convictions and there's a candidate who's actually doing really, really well and who's shocked everyone and you still can't get behind that that candidate and you still can't endorse based on policy, based on your actual principles and convictions, I don't to me that means you're you're just in it for politics and in it for personally getting ahead. And I do think that that Warren cares a lot about reforming the banks and she has her niche areas um niche might be the wrong word but she has her things that she really really cares about things that she's a lot floppier on like medicare for all she doesn't have convictions when it comes to medicare for all she's willing to be politically calculating in those ways and she didn't care enough about it to endorse hillary uh, excuse me to endorse bernie in 2016 and the fact that she was kind of making these deals or like this list of demands for hillary and like playing to hillary I just find scummy. I mean, it's expected in politics to me. It just means, you know, when people say Bernie and, and Warren are the same thing. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> There's absolutely not. So a couple things. I mean, I didn't read the whole article to you, but there is part of the article that I, I just want to be fair to her because we try to be fair. Some of it is, at least from a progressive point of view, her trying to, some of it was her trying before Bernie even announced, before Bernie got in. Some of it is her talking to Clinton's campaign and making demands for them basically to appoint people to Clinton's uh, campaign mm-hmm. and then cabinet that basically not the scum that Obama had in his. So not, and Clinton had. So yeah. not, um, uh, Larry Summers, Robert Robert Rubin, uh, all these Goldman Sachs, Wall Street people that were littered in uh, Bill Clinton's administration and Obama's administration. So some of it, again, before Bernie got in, was Warren's people sending Clinton's team lists of people that should be in the campaign, Hillary's campaign, lists of people that should be uh, in Hillary's transition team. Again, she was assuming Hillary was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um why I think so somewhat credit to her that like it's not like she was reaching out to Hillary like, hey, you should pick, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Steve Moore, Stephen Moore, Trump's like oh economist. <laughs> yeah. But a few things. Number one, to me, that shows an naivete about Elizabeth Warren. If Elizabeth Warren truly thought that Hillary Clinton was actually going to honor anything that they made deals with before she won the presidency, then she needs to go back to the political school of hard docs. Well, we can't even really analyze this without talking about the fact that they were in pretty deep VP discussions. I don't know about pretty deep. They were. I really think they were. I don't you the reporting, th- no, the no. reporting shows that. She was considered. They weren't, like, in deep discussion about They had had discussions. So maybe we just have a different No, but I'm talking about, about before words. Bernie announced early, like, before Bernie no, announced whatever, like, Warren, Warren and her people sending lists to Hillary Clinton and, like, sending lists of who she should put in, in her campaign, the, the don't list on who you cannot, who you shouldn't have in your cabinet, like, that's naivete to think that, like, the, the Clintons are legendary in Washington for shanking you 
in the front and the back. They don't honor. They honor people who are loyal to them. That, that, you know, but people who are loyal to them are greedy, neoliberal scum. The others end up dead in their cars. <laughs> so so the point is um, for Elizabeth Warren and her people to think like, oh, if we send them lists, like they'll follow through on it. No, they were going to use you and then spit you out and surround themselves with the same crooks that Obama did. So that's one. She was naive. But number two, you know, to me, I want to contrast Elizabeth Warren right now. With Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yes, yeah. Because to me, Elizabeth Warren, for example, it is the Hillary Clinton of this incident, of this uh, scenario. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez could have said at the time that she endorsed Bernie, Elizabeth Warren was ahead of Bernie in the polls. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, in some national polls, was leading Joe Biden. So when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed Bernie, by the way, called him the day he had a heart attack while he was in the hospital and said, I'm going to endorse you. It did not look good for Bernie Sanders. It looked at that time politically like possibly. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Politically, not legitimately, (laughs) like politically fatal, you know. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez could have read the room and said, you know what? Obviously, Warren's going to be the nominee. She's mm-hmm. got all the momentum. Uh, Bernie's not looking good. He, he might drop out. Warren will pick up Bernie's voters, and I'm going to go with the winning horse here. Yeah, I I really – my respect for AOC was, was pretty high. Um, but when she endorsed Bernie against what was going on and, you know, when he had his heart attack, her – my view of her shot way up because that takes she has conviction she has things that she's truly fighting for and she did the right thing she did what was you know on her heart and she didn't do the political backstabby thing right and you know what like to me elizabeth warren this is the part i don't understand elizabeth warren could have endorsed bernie sanders because in her heart that's what it that's what it was does she not think if she endorsed bernie sanders and bernie sanders that then lost that the Clintons wouldn't come groveling at her feet. She could have, she still had leverage because the Clintons would have still needed her to endorse her. Right. Elizabeth Warren could have said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to let the process play out. She could have even waited into the general election to endorse her. She could have. Yeah. So like to me, listen, my former colleague at TYT, we debated it when I was there, but Emma Viglin was like, Oh, what a crime. She's a politician. It is a it, it's not a crime, but it just shows you she's not anything special. She's not anything that is something you might only get once a generation. She's not anything that is truly authentically pure. That doesn't make her an awful person. It just means how could you trust what she's going to do if she's elected president? I've pissed off a lot of people by just simply saying, listen, if she's the nominee, I would vote for her. Some people think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton. I don't. I don't think she's going to be the nominee, but I said it because I think, you know, we can't be so crazy. Um, uh, what's the phrase? Just, yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> the bottom line is yeah. you can't give Donald Trump four more years. If you give him four more years, there might not be a planet. So Elizabeth Warren, she's not Bernie, but if she were the nominee, do I think she'd be as bad as Donald Trump? Of course not. At no, least for the planet, silly. she'd be better. But my point is, I don't think she could be the nominee, but like 
That's why I never understood these people trying to make it seem like, oh, Bernie and her are pretty much the same, and she's younger and a woman. So she's not, they're not even in the same universe politically. And on foreign policy, we haven't even gotten into that. Right. So, yeah. Warren, and to me, a lot of the stuff with, with progressives and Warren, um, I remember a lot of people saying, oh, we wish Warren, you know, Warren seems great. A lot of Bernie people were like liked Warren, liked what she was doing. Um, it started, you know, the big thing for me, in addition to not endorsing Bernie, was that she didn't acknowledge Standing Rock. Um, as a Native American, no, I'm just kidding. Like she, she should have, she should have, <laughs> and that kind of uh, painted a picture for me that's still playing out today in her actions and the things that she does. 